Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Hope you've had a good year, or at least made it through the year. Today we're going to be playing Andy Green's interview with Mr. Bob Seeger, and we have Andy Green himself here in the studio. Hey, Andy. Hi, hi Ryan. How you doing? Pretty good. And Bob Seeger has a newish album out called I Knew You When. It came out November 17th. It's a very strong album, and Bob happens to be an artist that we're very fond of, I think both of us. Yeah, I love Bob Seeger for my entire life, and he hasn't really had a ton of time in the spotlight in the, in the past few years, but his shows are fantastic, and he still packs arenas, and his voice is still very strong. I mean, I love the guy. I think Seeger's voice, especially in the 60s and 70s, is one of the all-time great rock voices. And a great, great, melancholic, often songwriter, underrated and someone who had a, a more interesting career than most people know about. We've both been lucky enough to talk to him. And one of the things you can talk to him about is just that he started in the same Detroit scene as Iggy Pop, you know, as the, as the Stooges. He was, he was a total garage rocker. The singer-songwriter Bob Seger that most people know him was just, you know, the second or third phase of his yeah. career. Yeah. I mean, Springsteen's years of struggles, they, Dorfoot Seeger went through. Started in 1963 or whatever and didn't break big until 76. He had one hit in around 68 or so, Rambling Gambling Man. Besides that, he was in the proto-punk scene a, alongside the MC5 and the Stooges and all these bands. And then in the early 70s, he was doing like 200 and some shows a year in clubs and bars and making no money, selling no albums, but just working incessantly. And the album, he covers uh, Lou Reed's Busload of Faith, which is, you know, if you had to pick 100 songs you might expect Bob Seger to cover, that probably wouldn't be among them. And it's a cool cover. Let's take a listen to it. And then the other song that he covers is by Leonard Cohen, and it's Democracy. Yeah, it's a semi-obscure Cohen song. It's from 92. It's certainly been cited a lot in the age of Trump, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why it's on there, but it's a very nice cover. It's, it's not a song I would have guessed that he would have gone for. So let's hear that one as well. It's coming from the field that this ain't exactly So he has made a return to the road in the last, what, decade or so, post-Rock yeah, Hall of Fame induction? I think what happened is he had kids pretty late in life, I mean, in his early 40s or so, and he was extremely wealthy, and those truck commercials were just minting money for him. Yeah, like a rock, of course. I yeah. think for 15 years, that was their song. So it was just money was falling out of the sky onto him, and he had kids, <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I don't want to be a dad who's never home. I'm going to raise these kids. So he told me for years his life was driving carpools and baseball games and cheerleader practice. He was a full-time dad. What I love is he sort of just got out of the carpool, put on a bandana, and went back <laughs> on stage, you know? He's just, yeah. that's just who he is. Then the kids got older, and he got the itch. In 06 or so, he went back on the road, and he didn't dye his hair. He made no attempt to look young. He made no attempt to be cool. He just started playing his songs again. And the shows were fantastic. I saw him tons of times. So at the start of the interview, you end up asking Bob about his health, because yeah. in this year of rock and roll deaths and health scares he had a little bit of a health scare yeah. but hopefully he seems to be okay what happened exactly well i go once a tour at the very least and the nearest show i could get to was in ohio he was playing columbus so about two months ago i fly out there 
I get dinner. I'm walking to the arena when I get the email that the show's canceled. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. But turns out it was not that major. He had some back problems. He had a slip disc prior to this tour, and his doctor told him that he could go on tour and get surgery afterwards. But if things get worse that he can't, then he woke up on the day of the show I was trying to go to, and his leg was hurting. It was kind of dragging. And he, he called his doctor, and his doctor said, no, like, the tour's done. <laughs> but he seems okay. Yeah, you know, he seemed fine on the phone. He was in good spirits, and he's hoping to rebook the, the entire tour in the spring. But, you know, these guys, uh, you know, we have to treasure these guys while we have them. I think that everyone hopefully is learning that, you know, and he, yeah. he can't even play guitar or piano right now. He, he told you, so you just got to hope he gets better and you you know, know. probably go to see him if you can. I am confident. Well, I mean, he's 72 years old, uh, but he's, I see him going for years to come. He seems very motivated. Tell me more about this album because there were some themes that he particularly pursued on it. The big theme is the loss of his friend, Glenn Fry that it's not super widely known, but they were together in the earliest days of the Detroit rock scene. They were friends as teenagers. And Glenn is, is actually on background vocals on the song Rambling Gambling Man. Wow. And he wanted to join the band, but Glenn's mom said, no, like, that's crazy. You're not going to join some rock and roll band. <laughs> it's a very weird moment in history. So he ended up writing like a bunch of songs about him. Yeah, there's two songs on the album about him and the titles about him. And Bob loves the Eagles. And he actually co-wrote Heartache Tonight. Well, it's a big hit of theirs. There's actually a song called Glenn's Song on the album. So yeah. I think we can guess what that one's about. So why don't we hear that one? When I think about you, I always smile. We're about to play Andy Green's interview with Bob Seger. Let's hear how it went. Are you feeling better now? Are you are you recovering? Well, I still got pain in my neck, and I'm still on pain medication, and uh, it's uh, I'm definitely feeling better. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm six weeks into a uh, uh, three a three month recovery, so mm -hmm. any time now, the, if the pain stops, uh, you know, I could start singing and playing again. But uh, I mean, at least practicing a little bit. But uh, right now, I can't lift more than five pounds and stuff like that. Uh, I'm pretty restricted. Yeah. Are you walking easily and stuff? Oh, thing? yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't at first. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was such a, it was a shock. I mean, I knew, I knew what I was doing, but before I operated on it, I didn't have any pain. <laughs> but because they went into the back, mm -hmm. uh, and my shoulder muscles are so powerful, you know, they said, you're going to have significant pain after this, you know, mm -hmm. for a while. And they said it could run as, as, as up to, like, January 20th. I, I got to operate on October 20th. So yeah. what happened? Because you were on tour. So what happened exactly? I, I guess I ruptured a disc. Hmm. And the, the only symptoms I had were tingling in my hands and arms. But the second that showed up, um, they had warned me if it went to any one, either one of my legs, then uh, stop immediately. So right. we pulled the plug. Hmm. It, 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 I started feeling a little drag in my left leg. And they said, oh, no, that's it. Mm -hmm. You're done. <laughs> yeah. We can't risk anymore. And then I went and, you know, checked out four doctors and four different places and made my decision. And, uh, yeah. And so uh, now i got to live with it. <laughs> so are the shows being rescheduled for next year now? Uh, they'll be rescheduled as soon as I know, as soon as the pain stops. Okay. There's, you know what I mean? They, doctors have to say this, you know, it, it may never stop. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, but they have to say that. But I'm, I'm, I, it gets better all 
the time. It really is getting better. Okay. The tingling in my hands and arms is, is, is probably down to 10% of what it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my neck hurts better every day. I got to admit that. Cool. Uh, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's probably a 1. Are you it's just uh, annoying. Are you playing guitar at all? Well, seated or no? Anything? I can't do anything. Oh, no okay. piano, no guitar, no nothing. Because yeah. that runs right back up to the neck. Right, you know? I gotcha. And um, and the worst thing is you can't work out or anything. I mean, I'm allowed to do three pound weights, but nothing over my head oh. and, and, and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I, I can walk a lot. You know, yeah. yeah. So yeah. do you ever? I'm doing that a lot. So, uh-huh. so do you ever imagine at at age seventy two that you'd still be doing all this? You'd still be touring, uh, making records? Uh, yeah, I was feeling great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the band was playing great. It was that's why it was so hard to stop. I said, right. well, it's it's only thirty gigs. I think I could do it. Maybe you know. Right. And they said, well, you know, really, the chance that you're hurting yourself is low unless you start dragging that leg. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, more like back at age thirty. Did did you? Oh God no! Oh God no! Yeah. No, I thought I'd be done by thirty. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> My original plan in high school was to to do it uh, from. Uh, for five years between age 25 and 30 and then buy a motorcycle and drive across Europe. That was my original plan. (laughs) And then get a real job, you know? Yeah. But it didn't work out that way. I I don't know. And then the more you do it, I guess the more you love it. You know how that goes. Yeah. Are you you still tempted to go on that bike trip across Europe? No. No? (laughs) (laughs) That's too far now. I do ride my cycle, but I only go about 100. Hundred miles. Right. Yeah. Not uh, it's just too much. Uh, yeah. yeah. So to switch to the new album here, can you tell me the role that Glenn Fry's passing had in the in the creation of this album? Well, I mean, he was my oldest friend in music. You know, I met right. him in '66, and we actually recorded Rambling Gamble Man in '66, in late '66. Although we held it till late till '68, right. uh, late '68 to put it out. But, uh, and he sang on it, and, and mm. we were really good friends. And, uh, you know, we were just peas in a pot. We were so alike, you know. Uh, uh, and, you know, and I, I knew him my whole life. And, and, and he would call me, I would call him, you know, asking advice and stuff like that. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? It was just my closest relationship in music, mm. you know. Mm. With, uh, and after I met Henley, he was probably my second closest, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I never heard anything. 
again. Uh, yeah. You know, it was really heartbreaking. The only people that were allowed in were uh, 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 Cindy and, and the kids. Right. And so this album, there's so many moments where you're reflecting on him and that time in. Yeah. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was such a he was such a positive influence in my life. That's the yeah. best. It's so so true. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he always wanted. Uh, you know, we, we were pretty ambitious guys, and, and so we understood the deal. You know, and 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 and, and, and the compromises, and the, and also the thrills uh, in doing what we do. And mm -hmm. and you know, I remember when he, after the fourteen year hiatus, when he got back with the Eagles, and I think I saw him uh, first tour. And he said, uh, "I'm so grateful." I'm so grateful to still be able to do this at my age. You wow. Know? And, uh, you know, you know, and, 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 and I never thought of it that way, but <laughs> I sure am now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the time, I wasn't thinking of it that way, but right. I, I kept championing, and I, I kept pushing him to do it, actually. Huh. He, did, he was the only eagle who didn't want to do it right. for, for years, and I just said, you know, I, I think he'd have fun. I think you would, yeah. and uh, and you know I I, I mean it's it's just you guys they never went away on the radio, right? Know? Yeah, they just got bigger. Uh, so it's just my tribute to Glenn, mm -hmm. and, and and I told Cindy uh, at the memorial that I was thinking about doing it. She said, "Go ahead, I'm sure it's in good hands," you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I told her I was going to call it "I Knew You When," which is a song from uh, actually 1999 or something like that that I'd written. Mm -hmm. And it just felt perfect. You know, it sounds a little bit faintly like an Eagles song, and yeah. and there's harmonies in it. And uh, uh, I just thought it was a, a a perfect thing to call it because it was true. I, yeah. I knew him before anybody else in music. Knew yeah. Him. <laughs> so then, what drew you to the Lou Reed song "Busload of Faith"? Well, um, I. I, 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 well, first of all, he passed away, mm -hmm. and and I, I first the first first one I did was uh, a Leonard Cohen song, and I said, and I told Cindy that too. I said, I'm, I'm just gonna since I'm doing this, uh, I'm gonna you know also salute a couple of my heroes, you know, mm -hmm. Lou Reed and, and Leonard Cohen. First time I heard the song was in a movie with James Woods and Robert Downey Jr. called True Believer, mm -hmm. and it was the closing song over the credits. Yeah. And so I immediately went out and bought the album, and uh, you know I, I've, I've loved Lou stuff for years. You know I think yeah. Magic and Loss is my favorite, but at any rate, uh, you know I I just love the imagery of a bunch. This is how I see it: is a bunch of people sitting on a bus, you know, and they're working people, and maybe they can't afford a car. You know, maybe it's just cheaper to take a bus, and they're going to work and singing. These days, you need a busload of faith to get by. Yeah, <laughs> because of the maybe because of the you know e economic division in our country, yeah. you know, and, and everything, and, and then stagnant wages and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. It just felt like right. It felt right to do it yeah. now, and and I contacted Lose Estate. Mm -hmm. And I told them I made a few changes, and, and, they, yeah. and they, I dropped one verse that was about rape and abortion and stuff. I just wanted to get on the radio if possible. You know? yeah. <laughs> I think that's why a lot of people didn't hear it. You know, maybe certain stations yeah. didn't want to touch it. And there was a lot of negative religiosity. I really only changed five lines in the whole song. Um, yeah. Did you ever meet Lou? Never met Lou. Huh. No, no. Now, Never that, did. Did. 
There's that lie in the song where he where he he says you can't depend on the water that made me think. Oh, that of, came out of Flint. Yeah, Flint. Yeah, <laughs> I said that's going to be the last line of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah Michigan reference there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think of so many of your songs, like Against the Wind and Night Moves and songs on this album, where you're singing about your teenage years. That always seems to be a period of your life that, that even as a, as a pretty young man, that you were looking back upon still. Is those? It was probably my favorite time. Mm-hmm. High school, up until high school, I was super shy. And then I, I developed a, a, a bunch of friends from a school across town. Mm-hmm. And uh, we... <laughs> You know how, how it is when you're young. We call ourselves the association, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we just, you know, I really came out of my shell. You yeah. know? Uh, they were all in the same economic bracket as me. Some of some were a little well off, but I was lower, definitely lower middle class, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it, it, it didn't matter, you know? And, and if I didn't have a car, they'd give me a ride someplace. It was just a wonderful time. My high school years were my favorite years. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. so even as a man in your early thirties, you, you were still you were really thinking back to this time when you wrote so many. Yeah, it was. It, it, uh, after that, it was like twelve years of, you know, two hundred fifty to three hundred <laughs> shows a, a year. You know, in various bars and yeah. and this, that, and the other. You know, universities and and <laughs> you know, high schools, yeah. <laughs> gymnasiums. You know, and uh, first time I played with the. Uh, MC5 was in a gymnasium over on the east side. Wow. You know, speaking of, I'd love to hear your first memory of ever seeing Iggy Pop. Oh, yeah, okay. Birmingham, Michigan, which is not far from me. Yeah. Uh, about, about eight miles. And uh, my, my manager had a place called, I, oh, no, I can't remember what it was called. It doesn't matter. But they had some great acts in there, Joe Cocker and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the Fleetwood Mac with, uh, uh, with the great guitarist, uh, Jeremy Spencer, and uh, the other one, like, really good. Uh, I can't think of the guy. He, he was a guy that became kind of religious. Or yeah, that's, is that Peter Green? Peter Green. Yeah. Yeah. And I just saw great bands there all the time. Uh, and, 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 and then, of course, we'd play it as well. And the first time I saw it, well, I actually, the, the first time I met Iggy was he was playing drums on a Rationals record. Hmm. Uh, Rationals were a local band. Yeah. And I met him at, uh, uh, and, and, and his name at that point was uh, Dave Osterberg, you know. Right. And, and uh, he was a good drummer, by the way. Mm-hmm. But then when I saw him live, I, he had just tremendous charisma. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just really, and I love, now I want to be your dog. I love, still love that song. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's a really nice guy. I've, I've run into him down through the years because we're both real good friends with Don Was. And and I've always loved him. I, I remember I went to a show in, in uh, where was it, uh, on Ford Road, a B.B. King show. Yeah. And I walked in to see Bibby King. He was playing a small club, and there's Iggy Pop. <laughs> we yeah. sat together and watched Bibby King. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm sure seeing the Stooges in like 1967, that must have been astounding. Just the energy and the feralness of that. They were really good. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, got great reaction from the crowd. Yeah, uh, you cover no, you cover Leonard Cohen's Democracy on the album. Yeah. Uh, you sort of singing about the state of America now? When, when were you thinking about that? As you, as you were well, there? it was one of my favorite songs of all, of all time. Yes, 
it, mm-hmm. yes, that's part of it. But uh, uh, Leonard actually died the day Trump was elected. Right. You know, it, I, but uh, and uh, I'd always I, I the the future album that mm-hmm. Leonard did is my favorite Leonard Cohen album of all time. Yeah, I've got them all, but that's my favorite. Yeah. And uh, I love waiting. I love waiting for the miracle. I love yeah. democracy. I love mm-hmm. closing time. There's so many great songs on that record. Mm-hmm. But democracy was always the one that stuck with me. And then I read that he, he actually wrote it about the fall of the Berlin Wall. Right. In '91, I think. And uh, of course, I'd, I'd always studied his lyrics, like I did Joni Mitchell's, like I did mm-hmm. Tom Waits, like you know all my favorite lyric writers. And um, you know, I just felt like it felt right, you know, to do it. Yeah. And and this bass player that I always use in Nashville, I, I sent him the song. Mm-hmm. I said, I want to do this. What do you think? And he said he'd never heard it. Uh, mm-hmm. His name is Glenn Worf. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, uh, it's a masterpiece, man. We got to do that. <laughs> so I got a bunch of people together. I took the horns and the girls down to Nashville with me. And Rob and Moose are, were on it. And uh, uh, my, my guitar player and, and piano player, guitar player. And, um, you know, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. We did it live. First wow. take, by the way. Wow. First take. So in the aftermath of Tom Petty and Greg Allman and David Bowie, yeah, all of these people, it's just been yeah. brutal two years. Just how do you feel after all that? Do you think more? Well, about you sure think about your mortality. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you say, you know, it's important to do now what you really want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and follow your own personal vision. And, um, it's just reinforced that, you know, and, um, uh, you know, because you don't know how much time you got. Yeah. I mean, are you more grateful for every day? Oh, God, up? yes. Yeah. Oh, heck yes. Mm-hmm. And and now I, I think I work even harder on the show mm-hmm. and on the stage. I, 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 I'm, I did some songs that I couldn't do because they were so difficult, like The Fire Inside. Yeah. And you'll accompany me very high. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to, do them anyway. I don't care. Right. I, I really wore myself out on this tour, but it, but they went over great. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe you accompanied me. People were singing. It knew every word. Wow. You know, they sang every word. You know, and I guess that's the the power of the greatest hits going ten million. You know. Yeah. So uh, there's and the fire inside's on it as well. And I got a new drummer. Mm-hmm. The, the first time I used him was uh, on Democracy. Yeah. Uh, his name is uh, Greg Morrow. Yeah. And I said, hey, Greg, you want to go out with us? And, and, and I've just discovered that in the rehearsal stage for this tour, he could play anything. Oh. So er, er, all, you know, anything I, I, that I, I wasn't so sure other drummers could play, mm-hmm. he could play. So, and I said, okay, now I can do him. So was Don Brewer busy? He couldn't make this tour? <gasps> Don was busy. It okay. came up real fast, mm-hmm. and we'd have had to delay it a lot. Right. And I said, Don, I'm sorry, man. I, I really want to do this. I want to mm-hmm. get out mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know and start playing these songs. Yeah. And so he understood. You know, right. as a matter of fact, we used uh, Grand Funk on a couple of our shows, and cool. uh, and he's still a great friend of mine, and I yeah. think he's a wonderful drummer. But but I just wanted to get out there. Right. You know, and, and and I always have that problem with Don because he is very loyal to his guys mm-hmm. and we constantly have to book around them and uh, right. so this time we just didn't have that luxury so you talked about the day that Trump won 
No, he won in places like Michigan with white voters. Oh, yeah. Did that surprise you, or, or, or do you understand white people? Well, I understand it because I live here, uh-huh. and the second you got out of uh, town, uh-huh. every rural area, I never saw a Clinton sign. I saw a Trump sign. And so, so how do you understand that? It, it, it was the, the rural people are, who elected them, you know? And uh, they, they jumped on it, and, 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 and well, I, I think they're very dissatisfied with Washington. Mm-hmm. And, and they thought he could, uh, you know, do something different, and and, uh, uh, and so they did. It, it's sort of sad that he's now working to sort of to make their lives worse in a lot of ways. I mean, I was at the Kennedy Center honors, you know, honoring Glenn, mm-hmm. thinking heartache tonight, and uh, I'm in the East Room listening to Obama, and and then and as all the cast we were put in the East Room and mm-hmm. the Eagles are up on stage and all the other honorees and stuff and and then we got in the line to meet, you know, Obama and, and Michelle. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, my wife talked to Michelle and I talked to, I talked to uh, uh, Barack and, and I just said, Mr. President, I just want to say one thing, please, you know, uh, thank you for your wisdom and your dignity. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, you know, I, I, Henley called me, how'd you like it? And I said, man, what a great week. You know, I, I, I got to be with my best friends in music, you guys, and I, and I got to meet my favorite president of my lifetime. So to switch gears now, your music is now on streaming services. So why did that finally change and happen? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I don't even look into that. End. Uh-huh. That's where uh, Mike Boyle, you probably talked to yes. today, yes. and my manager Punch deal with all that stuff, and, mm-hmm. and, and they figure out the timing and everything of when they want to do this or yeah. that or the other. Because we've got a, such a long contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, with Capital. We've been with them 50 years now, yeah. and uh, the longest tenured article or artist on, yeah. uh, on Capital Records. And at any rate. Um, New media was a, a thing put in our contract way back in 67. <laughs> so we have to renegotiate it so much, yeah. you know, uh, what's the deal? And, and that's Mike and Punch's end, and, and I just leave it up to them. And yeah. they say, okay, we're ready to do it, or we're not, or, you know. But yeah. are you happy that so much of your music is, is now freely available on Spotify and streaming services? Yeah, yeah, although I remember for years, my manager would go in, I remember when we put out Face the Promise, and he said, he'd walk into Capitol and he'd see all the execs in there, he says, and he'd say, first thing he'd say is, I don't want to talk about Spotify. <laughs> 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 and then he'd call me and he'd say, the first hour and a half was all about Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And he said, he said, okay, you keep talking, I'm not going to comment, you know, yeah. I'll listen. You know, now can we talk about the album? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the CD or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it's, it's been an ongoing process. <laughs> right. He's uh, a pretty pugnacious guy. But, yeah, I know. mean, I think the worry is that with your music, that well, that, that for so many years it was unavailable, that a lot of new yeah. young people, they had no yeah. access to your songs. Right. Did that alarm you at all? Yes. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't <laughs> complain about my success with Punch, my manager. Right. You know, he hasn't been wrong too many times. Right. And um, it could be a reason why we were the biggest selling catalog album 
between 2000 and 2010. Right. Nobody outsold us. Nobody on earth outsold us. Right. And, and it, it could be because we stayed off that, that grid. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, and we've been touring since 2010 and, and right. it, or, or before, 2006. And so that might be the, the major factor why we did make Diamond 10 million. Huh. And so what's it going to take to get, to get early albums like, that are like Brand New Morning and Mongrel back in print? <laughs> he wants to remix them all. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it for free. No, I say yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't make you do it for free. Right. But it just seems like I'm on to the next thing and then the next tour. Right. And I just I don't have the time to go back there just yet. Right. You know, maybe when I retire, I'll, I'll, I'll get serious about it. But it's just because uh, it's funny. Because when the Eagles, even before they played with Ronstead, yeah. Glenn told, called me up and said, we're doing Big River from Mongrel. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, life is like a big river. And, you know, just to know those guys were playing that at bars yeah. before they even knew Ronstead, Henley and them. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, there's some good stuff in there. But... Um, just that's a time factor. You know, I'm, I'm always on the next, and I get excited about the next, and all I want to do is write. I love writing. Right. You know, it's sort of interesting. So many of your peers focus a lot of energy on polishing up their legacies with documentaries and books and big reissues of their old albums and all your remasters, right. but, but you've never really cared about that stuff. Well, I've only got so much energy, right. and I try to put it into the music. Mm-hmm. Or the performance, or uh, you know, rehearsing with the band, or, mm-hmm. or making the show better, or, or or making the album better that I'm working on. I, I did go back a little bit on this album. Do you ever think hey, about writing a book about your life? Yeah, I think about it. I've started. I started it one time, huh. and I tell you what, I bought. I bought. Um, I don't know if you know who John McPhee is, uh, but uh, he's he's won a a, a Pulitzer and mm. uh, and he's uh, 86 years old and he's been teaching the same writing class since 1976 yeah. and he just put out a book called uh, Draft Number Four mm. and it's his writing class that he's been teaching at Princeton since 1976. So I got that's the next book up right now. I'm finishing Grant. Oh my God, it takes forever. It's yeah. a thousand pages. <laughs> I'm up in the 700s, but uh, high in the 700s, but I got a ways to go, and that's my next book. Huh, but so you are are thinking that you might write a book about your life one day? Well, I actually set up a computer at the right height to to type one, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got a a writing desk. I got everything ready. I don't know what I'll write, uh, but uh, I I may write about me. I don't know. So you wouldn't use a a ghostwriter. You'd do it yourself. Oh, no, I do it myself, yeah. And how about like a documentary on your life to hire like a, oh, like, a great know. director to, to, to do that? I think the problem with us is we haven't gotten any film. Uh, the Eagles were smart. They made a lot of film. Right. We've got film, but our lights weren't very good. Okay. And it's kind of cruddy film. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 the lighting isn't good. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's all I can say. So, I, I, you know, the, the Eagles were, were, were really smart. Yeah. They got film when they were young. Right. Uh, you know, they took good care of it. Uh, we were just busy touring. You know? Right, you weren't uh, thinking about it. We couldn't wait to get on stage again. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you curious to see Bruce on Broadway? 
I am. I, I would like to see that. Uh, right now, <coughs> we're hoping that maybe we can start in, in mid-March. It might be a, a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. But uh, we wanted to do these. We've got 200,000 tickets out there. So right. we want to do the uh, 20 shows we got left. Mm-hmm. That's our first order of business. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as, as early as possible. Mm-hmm. But it's all health dependent, you know. Yeah, no, they're um, not. And I can't really book anything until I, I, I uh, you know, until I got, I got the clearance from the yeah. doctors. Yeah, there are lots of veteran acts now who play their albums in concert. Does the thought of a Night Moves concert or a Live Bullet concert, does it appeal yeah, to Yeah, I like it when uh, I saw Bruce doing The River, and I really yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I, no, not really. Uh, you know, what I want to do is do this album. The only one we got to play was Busload. Right. And we released that kind of as a work record for radio. Mm-hmm. And we were playing that, and then and we only played it for like two weeks, and I was off the road. Nah. You know, and it was, it was, it was we chose that one because everybody's on it. You know, right. the girls, the horns, everybody. And, and, it, and, uh, uh, and it's unusual compared to the rest of the set right. for us. It's, it's, it's just stone straight ahead Lou Reed. I, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when, when I do somebody else, I really try to do them like them. Right. You know? When I sang Heartache, you know, I wanted to sing it as much like Glenn. When I sang a little bit of, of Life in the Fast Lane, I tried yeah. to sing it exactly like Don. Oh, wow. You know, and, and I, that's honoring somebody, I think. Right. You sing it exactly like them, as close as you can. Yeah. And I'd go over and over and over. I was driving Vince Gill nuts. He was next to me in the yeah. <laughs> So what are you doing? I said, I just, I just feel like this is how, how I want to do it. You know? so, I want to sound as much like those guys as I can. So tell me your favorite TV show now that Good Wife is gone. Ah, Madam Secretary. Oh, yeah. Why? Love it. I just think it's, it's, it's got great writing, great characters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very uh, modern. The mm-hmm. thinking, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I'm into world affairs. I, I read a lot, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, I read the New York Times every day, mm-hmm. uh, top to bottom, you know, yeah. and uh, that's what I read when I go to bed yeah. and uh, watch a lot of political shows and, and uh, you know, try to keep up with what's happening. Right. And your favorite movie that you've seen all year? Favorite movie I've seen? I'd probably Hell on High Water. Huh. So to just wrap up on a previous point, why not hire a producer, someone you trust, to sort of mix your old records and just get them out? Because I know exactly what I want. Okay. And I, I know every time. I, I mean, I, I, I write a lot of the parts in my head, like mm-hmm. the guitar part. I wrote that on guitar mm-hmm. for uh, See Inside and stuff. And, yeah. and, and I write everything in my head. And I know, uh, you know, uh, all, all the session guys that I use say, We'd rather have somebody who knows what he wants than somebody who doesn't know what he wants. I started talking about your your early albums. Uh, why not hire a person to 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 sort of master them? Then like, I get did them sort of. I kind of had uh, uh, the Muscle Shoals rhythm section in the seventies with mm-hmm. me. Yeah, you know? and they were kind of producers. You know, we shared the producing credit, oh. and but. Uh, I wanted it more my way. You know, you know I, 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 I'm sort of asking about your early albums that aren't back in print now, about hiring a oh, person to, to, to get them out. I mean, yeah. Uh, say that again? Oh, no, I'm just wondering why, 
if you don't have time to get your first four or five albums back into print to hire, yeah. to, to, you know, to, you know, to give it to a, a, a Jack White or somebody to get him back out. No, I don't want to do that. I, I don't know because I the second I'm done with the tour, mm-hmm. I want to take maybe a month off and then I can't wait to write something new. Okay. And and, and I just you know I just did a thing for Sirius Radio on the Eagles mm-hmm. and. I mean, I love their old stuff, but I also love their new stuff. Yeah. You know, from Hell Freezes Over, from uh, 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 Long Road uh, yeah. to Eden. Yeah. I love that stuff. They, they were freed up. You know, they, yeah. they just they tried something different, and I, and I love the fact that they did that. And uh, that's what I can't wait to do, yeah. is try something completely different. But there's Where the hell am I going to go now? But yeah. there's so many of your fans that are just dying to hear those first few records. I mean, are you sympathetic <laughs> to their plight? No. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, right. I mean, it, well, it's like it's like you're just going way back there, and right. and, and uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, like my son, uh, he's a writer. Yeah, and he, he just uh, went to film school oh. and he did his thesis film, and and uh, on this album, his favorite line on this album is, uh, "Movement feels like freedom sometimes. That's all you need." Mm-hmm. And he heard that in Runaway Train, yeah. and he said, "Wow, Dad, that's cool." <laughs> and that's what I that's what I love. I, I think as you get more mature and older, your songs mature. You know, I think mm-hmm. one of the most mature Eagle songs is Henley's Learn to Be Still. Yeah. You know, that's my mantra. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, learn to listen better. Learn to, uh, to analyze better. Why do you like something? What, what makes it good? Mm-hmm. You know? Because sometimes it's a performance, sometimes it's a song. It, it can be one or the other. Sometimes the song's not so good, but the performance is so fantastic, it, mm-hmm. it carries the song, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, there's all different reasons to love music. Just a totally random question to wrap up. Now, was Night Moves was it partially inspired by Jungle Land because there's two bridges in there? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I had the first two verses forever. Mm-hmm. Took me six months to write it, and I just kept coming back to it. Nah, that's not it. Nah, that's not it. And then I heard uh, Bruce's Born to Run album, mm-hmm. and I heard Jungle Land, and uh, I remember calling Henley and, 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 and saying, you know. Have you heard Jungle Land? He said, no, no, I don't know if I'm into him. I said, well, how about this? We'll meet need that giant Exxon sign that gives this fair city light. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'll check that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it, the song killed me. The album killed me. It had so much, you know, so much gusto, so much plain, wonderful rock and roll spirit, yeah. and uh, remind me a, a little bit about Phil Spector, whom I love too. You know, uh, uh, in his pre-Beatle days, and they were in the Wall mm-hmm. of Sound and all that. And uh, it just—it it was a record that won my heart. It's still one of my favorite record. Right, Bruce? Do you talk with Bruce often? Do you see him these days? I don't see him often, but I do see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I would see every six months. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, uh, I will go see a show uh, once the dust clears. Or I, I understand they, they've extended it, so now I got a better chance. Yeah, I can't go see anybody oh, right no. now. I can't even go to a concert. 
Uh, I'm stuck at home. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's very temporary. But, Bob, I will let you go now. This has been great. Thank you so okay. much. And get better soon. I want to see you play again. So, heal up. Oh. Well, thanks, Andy. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So, that's it. That was Andy Green talking with Bob Seeger. I'm Brian Hyatt, and this has been Rolling Stone Music Now. We'll be back with another episode at 1 p.m. Eastern here on SiriusXM's volume, channel 106. In the meantime, download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us some nice reviews on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, but especially iTunes. And we'll see you next week. Happy New Year. I'm Brian Hyatt, and this has been Rolling Stone Music Now.